Welcome to the podcast, Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn. Let me introduce the other members of Ethics and Etiquette. First up is wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hello to both of you. We are back from a midsummer hiatus, during which we reflected, retooled, and brainstormed new topics and features for coming episodes. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing, but with some innovation and novelty. Let's get started. Today, we have the timely topic of sports teams with, shall we say, insensitive names. The Washington football franchise recently announced they would be retiring the name Redskins and its logo. The name was given to the franchise in 1933, when the team was still based in Boston. I didn't know that it had been once based in Boston. That's interesting. The following information is from The Economist, July 18, 2020. Since he bought the Redskins in 1999, Daniel Snyder's position on his team's long controversial name has been clear. We'll never change the name. He and other defenders claim the name honored Native Americans, a view not shared by many Native Americans themselves. But on July 13th, After coming under pressure from sponsors, including Pepsi, Bank of America, Nike, and FedEx, which pays the team $8 million per year for naming rights to its stadium, Mr. Snyder announced the name and logo, a Native American in profile with feathers in his hair, would be retired. Washington owner Dan Snyder and new head coach Ron Rivera will develop a new name and design approach, the team said. So... Kelly, I'm going to go to you first. What do you think of the uh, the name change and letting go of the Redskins name? Well, names should never be racist or derogatory. And so any kind of racist or derogatory name for American Indians should go. But in this case, this really isn't about uh, the Redskins trying to do the right thing or Dan Snyder, you know, ha- all of a sudden developing a conscience. This is really about... <laughs> This is really about economics and the marketplace, right? His sponsors would no longer support the team unless he made the change. And additionally, the Redskins want a new stadium in the D.C. area. And lawmakers, local lawmakers, had made it clear, we're not going to support that unless you change the name. So that's really what drove uh, what happened here. And the NFL historically had defended the Redskins as recently as 2018. And, you know, they're keeping the name and retaining the logo. And even back then, a poll showed that nine out of 10 Indians, American Indians, saw the name as positive. And a study this past year showed that 49% of Native Americans were offended by the name. So, you know, the, the trend was changing against the Redskins. But I was surprised that only 49% of Native Americans were offended by the name. I thought the numbers would be much higher. It's a tricky situation, especially since mascots or representatives are picked not because they're losers, right? You don't, when you have a almost a billion dollar franchise, you don't pick a name that's, you know, represents weakness or, right. <laughs> um, you, you, it's usually meant to honor that, you know, people, um, you know, such as 
Indians or fighting Irish or Canucks, you know, or the animal, whether it be the bears or the eagles or thing like like our college, the, the griffin, which which is horrible. Um, but it's <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, it's usually meant to be an acknowledgement of the qualities of greatness. So, so it is. So it Kelly, is you're Irish. Does the name fighting Irish offend you? <laughs> No, not at all. I, I think I think it's awesome, and um, I think it honors, you know, the strength of the Irish. So this is, um, you know, this isn't entirely clear to me, but I do think that Redskins is that that is not like Fighting Irish or not like Indian. That is really a pejorative uh, term. So, you know, I can understand where you know the sponsors. Um, and the local lawmakers are coming from. And I think the Redskins are, are doing the right thing at this point in time. But I'd like to hear what Mike has to say and maybe speak a little bit more about the First Amendment you okay. know, after we hear Mike's thoughts. I have a quick question, Mike. I'm not Mike. Kelly, I'm surprised that they the team hung on to the name Redskins for so long because it does seem like a pejorative name for Native Americans. But you said the NFL defended the franchise what was their what was their rationale in their defense? I think that they were relying on the polling that I talked about and how Indians viewed the name. You know, that nine out of 10 American Indians at that time saw the name as positive. And I think they were taking the position also based upon the general view of a, of a mascot or a representative being a sign of, you know, of honoring that people or that animal or that thing and an acknowledgement of greatness. I think that's where they were coming from. Also, to be honest, there are numerous legal issues and it's going to be extremely, extremely costly to change the name. I mean, you think about like all the NFL trademarks, jerseys, you know, and as far as names that are available and, and logos, I mean, that's going to be tricky because there are individuals out there that are super smart and when they saw you know the tea leaves 20 years ago they started trademarking anything close to redskin anything that um, Snyder might want to move the the team name to so it's going to be a a tricky process yeah no doubt okay Mike what do you think Wow. Thanks, Marna. Um, And Kelly, by the way, you're always so prepared. You make me feel very (laughs) inadequate here. Unbelievable. (laughs) That's the lawyer in her. Yeah, I guess so. So, lo and behold, yesterday morning, headline of our local paper, and I mean local paper, my high school, not my high school, our, our school here in my town, the Peru Indians have decided to change their name. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a big deal. So they've decided, they've made the announcement, they've started a, ta- uh, a uh, steering group to find a new name, and, you know, everybody's kind of figuring this out right now. So it's sweeping across the nation. It's just not the Washington Redskins and the Cleveland Indians, but it's also, I just want to say, for the record, the Peru Indians. Anyhow, what do I think? Well, I'm not a really big sports fan, so this isn't something I live and die by. You know, I don't really have a lot more to add than what Kelly explored. I, it, for some, it's on, an honorific. I understand that. I think that was the intent at the time. It's interesting that I think some of the different groups that have been uh, used for uh, team names have benefited financially from this. You know, if it's something that's seen as pejorative by by the broader 
community out there, the United States uh, of America and most of the people in it, then yeah, it's time to change. So anyhow, I want to hear what Kelly has to say because I know she has more good stuff. Well, actually, I I wanted to slightly segue here because in researching this, I discovered something interesting, which is, and this is from WUSA9.com, Washington's logo has been an Indian chief since 1971, and it was designed by Native American Walter Blackie Wetzel to depict a member of the Blackfeet tribe. Wetzel grew up on the Blackfeet Reservation in Montana and was eventually elected president of the National Congress of American Indians in Washington, D.C. He was instrumental in the Redskins franchise logo change from an R to the current depiction of a Native American. The Redskins logo is a picture of John Two Guns Whitecalf, a Blackfeet chief, who also appears on the Buffalo Nickel. I didn't know that. Very interesting. According to Wetzel's son, Lance Wetzel, the logo evokes a sense of pride. Interestingly, he understood the name change. He said he was on board for the name change, but when they decided they weren't going to use the logo anymore, he said it was hard. He said to him it takes away from the Native Americans. So I didn't realize there were actually two arguments here, one for just the name and one for the logo. The Blackfeet tribe wants to keep the logo. I don't know how you could keep the logo if you change the name, though, since the logo is an Indian chief. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a creative way to do it, but I think the Redskins have made clear that they're not going to do that. Anything associated with saying Indian or Indians is is not acceptable in society today. And most importantly to the Redskins, it's all about the money, right? I mean, it's about their sponsors, it's about getting their new stadium, and they're going to do what they need to do to have those funds available. So yeah. I think I think that's the most important thing. But if I could just talk about free speech for a minute, um, because sure. I think it's so important in our society and recently has really been lost on in so many ways with regard to so many topics. So, you know, as everyone knows, there are trademarks, um, you know, and a trademark is sort of a type of intellectual property. And it can consist of like a recognizable sign or design, you know, such as um, the chief with the two feathers that the Redskins have, or an expression which identifies a product or service. You know, trademarks are critical. And in 2014, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office removed all of the Redskins' trademarks um, on the grounds that they disparaged American Indians or Native Americans. Um, They canceled them. So this was really a big deal. And in 2017, there's a very interesting Supreme Court case, um, which I know this sounds totally nerdy, but I, <laughs> I urge people to read this case. Um, it's um, Lee v. Tam, T-A-M, also known as Mattel v. Tam. So very interesting uh, case that covers um, free speech. And uh, let me just tell you a little bit about it. There was a a rock band or a rock group um, that wanted to trademark their name. And their name was The Slants. And they were an Asian American band. And the Patent and Trademark Office refused to trademark their name uh, because they said it disparaged um, Asian Americans. And this rock group appealed the ruling. And each step of the way, I believe they lost, and when they got to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously in their favor that they could call their band 
the slants. And their point was that they wanted to reclaim this slur, um, this slur towards Asian Americans, and they wanted to use it as a badge of pride, which is what you just talked about, Marna. Um, The leader of the band said, this is about the rights of of marginalized communities um, to determine what's right for ourselves. So I thought that was really interesting. The Supreme Court really spoke um, in, in several ways, and there were different opinions about free speech and how critical it is that speech cannot be banned on the ground it expresses ideas that offend. Um, that's what Justice Alito spoke, spoke about. He said, we protect the freedom to express the thought we hate. And in a concurring opinion, Kennedy said, a law that can be directed against speech offensive to some portion of the public can be used against minorities or dissenting views to the detriment of all. So it was interesting. All the justices spoke to the criticality of the free speech clause in the First Amendment. So I just, I know I'm going on and on, but I just think it's so important that we continue to be open to hearing things that are difficult and listening to speech that we find offensive. Um, you know, just to keep our minds open and, and to hear what others have to say. Right. Is that online, Kelly? Yeah, you can just Google Levy Tam. Okay. And, and, and you can, you can um, access the opinion um, or access summaries of the opinion. And I think Justice Alito's opinion and some of his comments are, are really informative. And Well, we'll try to put that link on our website also www.ethicsandetiquette.com. I did not know the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office had a charter for moral clarity. Yeah, it was in the Lanham Act. And and so, you know, they turned around in 2014 and canceled the Redskins trademarks. So when this opinion came came down in 2017, of course, the Redskins celebrated and Daniel Snyder, you know, sent out some kind of a, a note or I don't know if it was on Twitter or what, you know, hail to the Redskins, you know, like we've got our we got our trademarks back. Yeah, all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And it that- wasn't even him that, you know, they never pursued it. It was this little band, these regular mm-hmm. people who wanted to be called the slants. But nonetheless, they certainly have the right um, to keep that name. But you know, Snyder's not willing to do it any longer because the price literally is too great. It's an economic decision. Absolutely. A financial decision. Mm-hmm. And pressure from the sponsors, who I, I, I assume the sponsors are getting pressure from consumers? I think so. But also, it's interesting, Fred Smith um, is the CEO of FedEx, but he's also a minority owner of the Redskins, and he's trying to sell a share. So I think there's some, you know, not great feelings there. Um, the franchise is very poorly run. Uh, I mean, Snyder is a disaster. And the Redskins were this proud organization, this winning organization where, you know, you couldn't get a ticket. It was just, I mean, people were leaving, you know, their seats and their wills. And yeah. and now, you know, the stadium's empty and they're just a bad team. Sorry, Redskins well, fans. Yeah, these Go things Eagles. cycle. I remember when the Patriots were a bad team, so these things cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, do you want to hear some suggestions people have submitted for the uh, new name yeah. of the franchise? We'd love to. Okay. The Washington Red Wolves. <clears throat> the idea is keeping the same colors, of course. The Washington Red Tails. 
which celebrates the Tuskegee Airmen, who were the first African-American military aviators. Their planes had a distinctive uh, scarlet tail, and they were known as the Red Tails. I like that backstory. The Washington Monuments, the Washington Americans, the Washington Veterans. From the SportingNews.com, readers have suggested the Red Hogs. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> the Washington Warriors and the Washington Presidents. Any of those jump out at you? I'm really trying hard to care about this. Yeah. And it's, I'm just not finding it deep, deep in my heart to care that much. Um, well, what about free speech? I know that you feel strongly about that. Yeah, I do. I think this is a crazy, horrible time in our country. I sometimes wonder, I mean, why exactly is it we're talking about this right now? And I just, to put that in perspective, I've spent the last two days sorting food at food banks and serving meals at soup kitchens. I, I guess my perspective is a little warped by the realities that are not warped. It's affected by the realities that are all around me here in this uh, you know, remote, poor part of our country where people are really, really hurting. It was very apparent when you start handing food through a small window, you're wearing a mask, they're wearing a mask. So again, I'm really trying to get into this topic, but it's hard, you guys. That's not it, what you were so, looking for, Marna. Sort of, <laughs> sort of a first world problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, I like red tails. I like um, red tails, too. Uh, and I, I know the backstory, and I think it's wonderful. I, I, you know, I would love to see the Indians honored, um, which they absolutely deserve. I wish there was some way that that could also occur or in some way that would be acceptable to their community. Yeah, I mean, but would they ever find consensus? Clearly the Blackfeet have an opinion on this, I would assume, but it's not shared by the broader Native American community, so... You can't make everybody happy. <laughs> it's yeah. just impossible. It is. It is impossible. Mike, you mentioned the Peru Indians are changing their name. Well, Kelly and I went to William & Mary. When we got to William & Mary, we were known as the William & Mary Indians. Also, Kelly reminded me, the tribe... Indians tribe is kind of interchangeable. Later, it became predominantly known as the tribe, but William & Mary was one of 19 teams, 19 teams cited by the NCAA as having names potentially hostile or abusive to Native Americans because there were two feathers in our logo. So they took the, the feathers away in the 90s. I, was it in the 90s? No, maybe early 2000s. And, um, and we got a new mascot, the griffin. I had to ask my son what that was. He knew what it was because of Harry Potter, but um, that's our new. It's I love William and Mary, but <laughs> so the Griffin I. is really lame. I, I don't know how <laughs> they came up with that. It's terrible. It's terrible to be still called the tribe, and then have this thing running around this, this myth mythical myth mythological creature, creature that yeah that's I know. freaky scary. Yeah. <laughs> little kids instead of you know a mascot that's fun they're like yay and they stand up and they want the mascot to come over you know people are running the other way they're like what <laughs> is that ah you know they, it's terrible. They, just, they just erected a griffin statue outside the football stadium that thing one of my friends said it looks like a freaking gargoyle from your nightmare <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, i know it's just i don't know how they came up with it because they usually make such wise decisions but you know that's another instance where you know, kind of free speech got lost, and I wonder if it had been appealed, because in 2006, the NCAA said, okay, you know, William Mary, you can keep tribe, 
but that logo, you know, the, the two feathers with the W and M, that, that's got to go. We tried, we appealed, but, but lost. You know, the yes. NCAA would not nice. agree to it. And I, I just, I don't understand how two feathers with a W and M is, is offensive or, de- I or derogatory. I do see a little bit of a double standard here. And let me tell you why. I know that our president, college president at the time, referenced Florida State University, who are the Seminoles. And I lived in Tallahassee for two years while my husband at the time went to graduate school. So I know that Florida State, and they still do this, they are known as the Seminoles. They have Chief Osceola mascot who rides an Appaloosa horse. He's wearing Seminole clothing. He has the burning spear. They do um, the tomahawk chop during games, and they do the war chant. And I know all this primary source information because I witnessed it. And the thing is, the Seminole tribe signed off on this because they said they were honored by the association with the university. I see a double standard here. This goes back to what Mike said, though. That's a single tribe. So it's easier to get a response, yay or nay. When you have a broad reference like Indian or Redskins, and obviously Redskin is pejorative, I think it becomes much harder to gain consensus and get approval. Do you know if there's a financial arrangement, Marna, between the Seminole Tribe and Florida State University? I'm assuming there is, but I have no evidence. Yeah. But that would explain it for sure. Right. right. (laughs) Follow the money, you know, whether it's the Washington Redskins or anybody else. Follow the money. Well, on that cynical note... (laughs) (laughs) we'll close out this segment stick with us we'll be right back with a listener email welcome back to ethics and etiquette we have some listener mail for you this was actually a voicemail from allison who listened to our two podcasts on at-home DNA kits. Kelly, Mike, and I all had concerns about the privacy issues and the ethical issues surrounding uploading your DNA data to databases. Allison, however, has offered an uplifting perspective about some of her friends finding half-siblings. Let's listen. I have been thinking about your ethical question about the DNA kits, and I just thought I would weigh in to say that I have uh, three very good friends um, we're all women in our 50s. These three women have each found out that they had uh, a sibling, half sibling that they did not know about. I have one friend who um, is so excited. She's got a half sister. She was an only child, so she thought, but her father had had a, a child with another woman that nobody knew about until the other woman, until the sister took the test, and then she found her, she found Betsy, and they are having reconnected, and it's really been so happy for both of them. Um, they look very much alike, and actually at their first meeting, they wore almost identical outfits. It was kind of weird. My second friend, she found out that she had a half-brother. Was Her father had, you know, had a child out of wedlock with a woman before he got married. He never even knew about the child, mm-hmm. and um, he's since passed along, but she connected with this half-brother with her friends. He looks very similar to her brother's. They've now, like, had family reunions together and are so happy that they have found each other, someone that you, you know, share your blood with. And then my third friend, 
there was a, a man a little older than her who contacted her and said, hey, I did this test and I think, you know, we're, we're half siblings. She was, of course, very, very shocked because her mother, um, you know, was a proclaimed virgin at marriage. And it turned out that she not only was not a virgin, she had had a child. That was very shocking for them, but still very interesting to know. That's my, my story is I think they have some, some upside to find out that you have other people that are related to you in this world. Thanks for sending that in, Allison. I really appreciate it. So I, I think these are very uplifting stories. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, if it's brought joy to these three friends of, uh, of Allison, whenever we can establish connections in this world that are important, and blood being probably the, the most important among them, um, that that can make people's lives that much richer and better. I guess I'm kind of surprised that Allison would have three friends, all of whom found a lost sibling. That just it does seems, seem like a statistical anomaly, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it just sort of. I mean, I mean, out of a, out of out of how many friends that did this? I wonder were they three for three? And three That's good incredible. friends, she says. Again, you guys have heard me talk before. I'm kind of all wrapped up in the genealogy of my own family and. You know, you see what's on the paper, you see what's written, you see what people are willing to talk about. But what I've not delved into is is this piece of it. So maybe I should, because um seems to be a lot out there that could add to that effort. Well, the DNA kits are definitely revealing a, a lot of long-held secrets. Genetics yeah, don't sure. lie, they say. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great to hear positive stories and positive outcomes. And we often don't hear that in the news, on TV. They tend to focus on the dramatic and the negative. And I don't know why, but people seem to be more attracted to that. I guess it's sort of like watching a train wreck. <laughs> so if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's that's great. I appreciate Allison sending that in. Yeah, thank you, Allison. You know, the other thing, too, is and I told you a moment ago, I've been out doing this uh, work with local food banks and um, soup kitchens. And I would just say that the general mood in this country right now, as we all walk around with masks on, at least we do here, people are starved for interaction because that rug has been pulled out from under us. And uh, so to hear Allison's friends connect in this very real way, it's just a good news story at a time when there isn't a whole lot of good news going on. It is good so, news. Yeah. Very, a very nice. visceral connection. Ken, thanks, Allison. Yes, thanks, Allison. We appreciate you sending that in. And we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette, and now for a new feature, which I'm calling the Etiquette Quick Hit. It's a short scenario you might come across in modern life, and we're going to give you some suggestions on how you can gracefully navigate it. Here's today's quick hit. When you're an overnight guest at someone's home, on the morning that you leave, do you strip the bed and pile the sheets on the mattress to make things easier for your host? Mike, what do you say? I think you ask your host. You take take the cues. The cues may be spoken, they may be uh, unspoken, but you take cues from your host. For some people, it's if you care enough to ask, that's all you need to do, and uh, they will really appreciate that. 
So definitely ask the host. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kelly, do you agree? I agree with you, Mike. Uh, In fact, the last time I was a guest at someone's home, obviously before COVID, um, and I didn't know this person that well. Um, I was staying there with another friend who was related to her. Um, I went ahead and asked and, you know, she was great about it. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, the cleaning lady comes in a couple of days. You know, thanks anyway. And so I just, you know, made the bed nice and figured the cleaning lady would restrip it and remake it. So, yeah, I totally agree with Mike. I mean, the, what what I would say, tying it into our thank you notes episode <laughs> is because I'm terrible about writing a thank you note, which I think you should probably do after you're a guest at someone's house. You I should. Usually, you should, okay. Kelly. Oops, another, <laughs> another terrible uh, problem for me. But I usually bring something, you know, like a bottle of wine or chocolates or a little something, um, you know, to say thank you when I get there because... Then I get that taken care of because I know I'm just never going to get that thank you note out. Right. Well, that's better than nothing. That's a nice, a hostess gift. Yeah, I think that's that's really good and greatly appreciated. So I agree with both of you that you should ask. And I was staying with a friend once and asked her if she wanted me to strip the bed. And she said, uh, no, don't strip it. Just make it because I don't want to deal with a stripped bed right now in the guest room. So, you know, it's totally the hostess's host's prerogative, uh, but do ask. And if they just want it made, I, I ran into this problem once on beds with lots of layers and accent pillows and, <laughs> you know, balance, all these p- p- pillows. Um, take a picture of the bed before you oh tear it apart my. and climb into it. <laughs> and then you know how smokes. to put it back Marta, together. Marta, Draw a map. You're, you're getting carried away. <laughs> Draw a schematic. No, it's I not have, that important. No, I have literally not known how to put where all the pillows go. I mean, because sometimes they'll be like Just make it nice. Six, Do the best you can. Six I mean, pillows on say, there. Just throw them on there. Just make it nice. <laughs> make it look good. Okay. So I think we all agree. Yeah. Ask the we host agree. first. But I, I got a quick story, Morna. Okay. So um, we're all assuming that the bed will be made, okay? And um, I just want to throw out there a little story. A couple years ago, I was uh, starting up a political campaign. And when you do that, at some point, you got to hire a campaign manager. And uh, so had this uh, young man come in from somewhere down south, like where you guys live. And... Um, he came up, and these are long interviews, like 36, 48 hours. So he stayed at our house in a guest room. Then he left, and I went up to look at the room, and he had trashed, not trashed the room, but I mean, the bed was unmade, the pillows were on the floor, and he never bothered to even put it back together. And uh, I'm just saying he didn't get the job. The yeah. bed was a deal breaker, guys. So Make your bed. I think yeah. some general has a yeah yeah a book isn't it called make your bed yes yeah i think it's a navy person so i don't know if that's a uh, an admiral for you too yeah yeah just the apparently accum- it's a great book yeah accumulation of good habits yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think the idea is you know if you get up in the morning you make your bed you feel good you've already accomplished one thing and you're on your way sometimes that's the highlight of my day you know? <laughs> i mean <laughs> I've contributed so to the order of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I made my bed. The this world morning. is a better place. <laughs> you say to Kathy, "Honey, honey, guess what?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll All tell right, you what happens in my house if I don't make the bed. Holy smokes! <laughs> <laughs> I get what for? <laughs> is she militant about that? 
I wouldn't say militant. It's just an expectation. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're the last one out of bed, guess what? Right. It just you make the bed. Okay. So let me wrap this up. Uh, Mike, Kelly, it's great to be back with you. Thanks for joining me this morning. As you can tell by our listener mail segment, we love hearing from you. You add so much to the discussion. If you'd like to send an email or leave us a voicemail, you can do both at our website, www.ethicsandetiquette.com. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd appreciate it if you took time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep recommending our podcast to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. It's good to be back with you again, and please join us again next week for an all-new episode. See you then.